Welcome to Outside Perspective, everybody. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. If this is your first time joining, welcome. You are in the place to be. Every week, twice a week, I am sitting down with interesting humans from all walks of life, and I'm just simply trying to gain some perspective, and hopefully I can help you do the same. Man, I am feeling sore today. I'm doing this program called 75 Hard. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it is a mental toughness program. It was designed by Andy Frisella. Go check him out if you're not familiar with him. He's an entrepreneur. He uh, has several companies. Two of his more popular ones, at least here in the St. Louis area, is Supplement Superstores. Um, they're here heavily in St. Louis and throughout the Midwest, uh, but their supplement company, which is a is a huge brand, is First Form, and he developed the mental toughness program called 75 Hard. And if you know me, or anybody that does know me knows, I'm all about mental toughness and mental strength. In fact, it is the basis of my company, Imposed Will. I truly believe that you know through the mind we are able to achieve whatever it is that we want to achieve by you know setting. Uh, you know, by believing in ourselves and setting a goal and, and living with intention and through difficult challenges and difficult tasks, you know, we're able to grow and strengthen our mind and we're able to fucking impose our will on life, as I like to say, which is achieving whatever it is, uh, you know, standard of life that you're trying to achieve. For some, that can really be just, you know, you're, you're more in advanced age, you want to play with the grandkids. For others, and maybe you want to run a multi-million dollar company, or maybe you want to go run that 5K, or maybe you want to touch your toes, uh, or maybe you want to be able to go and travel and walk through the airport and not be just completely out of breath and exhausted. Whatever that is for you, I truly believe that you can impose your will. So, uh Go over to imposedwill.com, check us out, join the community. We do have a mailing list that you can get on, but we also have a full line of apparel that you can check out and just help fuel the brand, help fuel the mission, and um, you know help fuel your endeavors as you impose your will. Um, but back to 75 Hard. So this program is is designed to to strengthen the mind and you know through difficult challenges you know by becoming comfortable in uncomfortable situations we grow and, and we uh, develop strength and we develop you know uh, belief and confidence and you know we become mentally stronger so this is not a physical challenge it is a mental one um, but for 75 days straight so the entire program is called live hard and I almost wonder if you maybe base that a little bit from you know Goggins, David Goggins, because he's always saying you know stay hard. Um, but it's a live hard. the The foundation of the program is seventy five days. It's called seventy five hard. And for seventy five days, it is two workouts a day. One has to be outside. Two forty five minute workouts. They're forty five minutes each. Uh, one has to be outside. You have to follow a diet. Whatever that diet is for you, you have to follow it. No cheat meals, no alcohol. You have to drink a gallon of water. You have to read 10 pages every day, which for me is actually the most difficult part. Um, with years of fighting, I've grown uh, you know, accustomed to you know, being fairly in tune with my body and drinking, you know, plenty of water. But I'm not going to lie, I'm not, I'm, per I'm not perfect. So I've definitely, you know, fallen off the wagon some, which is why I feel like I need to be back on, you know, 
be on this program to get back to my best self and and even you know exceed where I was. I want to become I want to become the best self of my you know that I can be. And uh, so for me, you know, the drinking the water is not super hard. Following the diet that can be tough. You know, I'm pretty good about eating clean though, or eating real food, whole food. Uh, but you know, no cheat meals. I've I've done several weeks with fighting camp and you know i've definitely gone days without eating um and i've you know dehydrated myself to a not healthy you know point but 75 days straight with no cheat meals alcohol for me is no problem i actually may end up cutting out alcohol entirely after this um but no cheat meals at all that's pretty tough but for me the the 10 pages a day is tough i'm an avid reader However, every day making sure that I get my ten pages in, I'm always I'm not the best at that. So that's that's been a pretty big challenge for me. You know, I'm physically very sore right now. You know, getting these two workouts in, I do vary the intensity because it's not about going balls to the wall. This is not a physical transformation, so you don't have to go balls to the wall every day. But it's about making that commitment and fucking doing it. How many people say, you know what? Despite how I'm feeling, because right now let me tell you, my feet are sore, my body aches. You know, I, I start telling myself the excuses, oh, this this doesn't matter, or, you know, nobody would know, or, you know, uh, you know, you worked hard enough, you know, you already put in the work, so why why do anything now, like, just rest, like, rest is what you need, you don't want to overtrain, you start telling yourself these lies, you start, you know, believing these compromises, um, believing the bullshit, you know, that we tell ourselves, uh, so that that's... That can definitely, you know, that's that's something that we have to get over. Um, but yeah, the the reading the ten pages for me, you know, is is definitely a challenge. Uh, but you know, we're getting through it. We're on day thirteen at the moment. When this drops, I should be on day fourteen. Um, man, but it's a hell of a program. So two workouts a day, forty five minutes. One has to be outside. Follow a diet. You pick whatever it is that you want, but you can't. There's no cheat meals. There's no alcohol. Drink a gallon of water a day, read 10 pages a day, and take a progress pick every day. That's the fifth item. So you do those five things every day for 75 days straight. And if you miss any one of those things, then you start all the way back at day one. You start over because you know what? Life does not reward uh, half-assed shit, to put it simply. You know, so many people want to celebrate and they want to. Th- pat themselves on the back before the job's done they want to say like oh i'm doing so good so uh you know you go out and you have that cheat meal because you've been following the diet for five days no that's not how shit happens that's not how the most successful people in the world get shit done like they see it through to the end and they make things happen so this i i love this program i think um you know i'm at the very beginning of it but I can already see just the the benefit of this, and uh, man, it's it's a game changer for sure. Um, so you do seventy five hard. That's the foundational program, and then there are three additional phases, all of which are to be completed by your uh, your year anniversary. So the first day that you started seventy five hard, you have to get these three phases complete. Phase one is seventy five hard continued. Uh, so it's for thirty days. Uh, there's three 30-day phases, but it's 75 hard continued, except you also add in 10 minutes of visualization, a five-minute cold shower, and um, three additional power uh, list items. 
to further you towards your goal. From there, you have to take 30 days off. And he actually equates this to, you know, learning to swim with floaties. Sure, you think you can swim, but you take those floaties off and you realize you can't. So, you know, for 30 days, the program is not there. And, uh, yeah, man, so it's up to you. And at any point, you can start phase two after those 30 days. Phase two is just 75 hard again. Um, no additional tasks, just the five items, but for 30 more days, and that's phase two. So I don't know what phase three is. He hasn't released that. And, you know, the in the order, or not the order, but the timing of phase one, two, and three is completely up to you. I'm going to knock out these 75 days and roll right into phase one. I might take one day off because there is a, I think it's a taco event, some sort of food event that I want to go to with my boys. And it actually, I end 75 hard on a Saturday, and I think that event is on a Sunday. So it's going to be it's going to be perfect. It's going to line up just beautifully. I'm going to, I might drink, I don't know. I haven't decided that. But I will definitely eat some food that's not on the diet. So for me, I'd like to keep it real simple with, with the way I eat. I like to eat real food, wholesome food. None of the artificial uh, junk, none of the fucking processed junk. Uh, for me, I do eat carbohydrates, but while I'm on this diet, I'm only getting carbohydrates from like potatoes and rice, um, a little bit of oatmeal, but that's about it. There's no refined carbohydrates in my diet. Um, so I'm cutting out pizza. I'm cutting out burgers. I will make my own like fries and burgers because if you just chop up fries and bake them, I mean, chop up potatoes and bake them. It's just a baked potato chopped up like fries. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but the problem is when you start getting the bullshit and you go out to eat and it's it's coated in something or they're cooking it in a low-quality oil, um, that's where a lot of problems come in. So I'm just making sure that you know I know the sourcing and I know what I'm getting and it's all just real food. Um, so no pizza, no burgers, which is a fucking killer for me right now. Um, because we're my girlfriend and I, we just bought a house and we're remodeling it. And uh, yesterday she went out and got everybody burgers from this from the spot. And I'm like, ah, oh, it smells so good. It smells so good. I even had the thought, you know what? I could just eat I could just eat the meat. I could just eat the meat off of it. But then I told myself, no, like that's not on my diet because while yes, you know, I could not eat the bun, I could just eat the meat and stuff, but the the quality of that burger probably isn't, you know, to the standard that I would ideally like it to be. I know it's not a grass fed organic burger. You know what I mean? I know that it, uh, like the oils probably aren't the best. So why even eat that? It's not. It's not on the diet. It would have set me completely back. But I had the thought. I'm like, man, I really want to eat this. I'm like, no. You know what? Let's not. Let's not eat it. Let's just. Uh, let's stick to it. And I'm. I'm glad I did. I feel stronger for it today. Uh, so yeah, man. I'm excited for this program. Go check out Andy Frisell if you're not familiar with it. Go check out his podcast, The MFCEO Project. Um, you know, for the next several weeks, I'll probably keep you, uh, you know, keep you updated, keep, uh, telling you what's going on, how I'm feeling, um, you know, the progress being made with this program. So stay tuned. My guest today is a friend from the gym. I don't know how else to put it. I actually met this guy through the gym. He's a cool ass human though, man. A very rad individual. Um, Corey Marquard. I hope I said that right. I might've fucked it up. Um, but Corey um, received a degree um, in exercise physiology or exercise science. Um, he's a martial artist, just a super cool dude. He's a former lacrosse uh, player, uh, received All American honors. Uh, understands, you know, the 
the competitor mindset and what it takes to understands what it takes you know to achieve and succeed at a high level so um, i really enjoy this conversation Corey's a cool ass dude i'll definitely have him back on the podcast ladies and gentlemen welcome to the podcast Corey markward when I was younger and now I don't do as much like uh chicken eggs yeah but like salmon roe salmon roe yeah now do those have the same like cholesterol benefits and you get the same vitamins I'm sure they have a different like oh I'm sure the nutritional breakdowns like super different right I have no clue how they stack up yeah I just know so like here that's got to be good for like your omegas right I right mean, that's going to be good for that that's a healthy fat like a like a protein. fun fact um bears if you see bears like rip up fish, yeah. you'll notice they go straight for the belly mm-hmm. and leave the rest of the carcass because uh-huh. the the belly of the fish is where the highest fat content. It's the most nutrient dense. Nutrient dense, and uh, the females will go for the eggs right there, oh. and they'll just throw the rest of the fish. Wow. Well, I knew. Wo- I know wolves. Whenever they get a kill, the alpha eats the liver. Really. First. That's cool. It's the most nutrient dense part of an animal. That sounds like some. Uh, barbarian like uh, yeah dude i can Mad dig Max it type do you of eat stuff. liver uh sometimes i i wouldn't say i go out of my way yeah to eat liver but uh you ever been to uh tucanos tucanos yeah tucanos yeah yeah they that, have chicken livers or here's those gizzards uh i think it might be oh that's a good question yeah i don't know but or they, i know they have chicken hearts yeah i do the chicken hearts the rotisserie chicken hearts those are pretty good yeah um yeah i, I don't usually go i'm i'm really big about like keeping my nutritional program cheap and accessible. Yeah. Like anything I can get from work, like I get all these fresh fish, yeah. super cheap, you know, yeah. rice on deck all the time, That's whatever. Dope. Yeah, man, because you work at a sushi bar. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah. Oh, man. sushi. But here's the issue with the rice now, and you can probably confirm this for me. From my understanding, there's a lot of sugar that they put in like sushi rice. Is that true? So in sushi rice itself, yes. Yeah, but you have access to the rice without... Yeah, it's, yeah, you know, just regular steamed rice, right. brown rice. Or we have, uh, do you know what black rice is? No, is it jasmine rice? No, it's not jasmine rice. It's, it's a like different a, type of rice. Yeah, it's like a short grain. Um, you know how, like, brown rice is more wholesome and more calorically dense than white rice? Well, it's because there's the brand that's, on, that's surrounding that, right? Like, I mean, that's what that is. That's what makes it brown. So there's the brand surrounding... The, like the kernel of the rice, which yeah. some people actually have digestive issues with. I actually used to eat brown rice, and then I switched to white rice. Not because I was necessarily experiencing any like digestive issues, but because I know it can lead to that and cause that. So I was just making it easier for my body. Yeah, I don't do much brown rice. Yeah. Like just, it's funny you say that because I, I eat that. I eat just like regular white rice. Yeah. And the white rice just feels like easier. Yeah, I just fuck with the white rice now. Yeah. because It's weird, man, because we went through this whole period – and, and it was even decades, really, where there's just so much misinformation, you know what I mean? And we're, crazy. we're so fortunate kind of where we are now with uh, how much information is out there and what we're learning every day with, you know, just nutrition and training and all this good shit. Because, dude, for the longest time, it was like, well, you got to eat brown rice because you want whole grains, right? You want whole right. grains. But then we start learning about lectins and like the like what inflammation is caused like how much inflammation is caused from these different like processed grains and different things like that and it's like man fuck dude just so many people are just giving a lot of bad information and as a result of it are in terrible shape 
Oh, I remember when I was in high school, you know, I put my body through a pretty fair amount of stress between the sports and the athletic endeavors that I had. Um, For two years, my freshman year and senior year, I was a three-sport athlete. So I went from football directly into wrestling. So your freshman and senior year you did that, but not your junior and sophomore year? Yes. That's interesting. So, Well, here's why. Yeah, tell me why. My freshman year, I was coming in. Uh, so my football coach, my Dude, freshman football record? coach. Keep talking. I'm listening to you. Yeah, no worries, I don't know brother. if I hit record on this fucking. Uh, um, so, yeah, my f- freshman wrestling coach, or my freshman football coach, excuse me, phenomenal guy. Jim Lake actually trains at Voggy headquarters. Just took uh, second place in the Chicago Open. Great dude. Like, hands down, one of the best overall coaches that I've ever had. And um, Did you start training before him, or did he start training before you, jiu-jitsu? He, he started training jiu-jitsu before me, okay. definitely. All right, back um, to your story, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah he's, he's a great guy, but he, he also was a wrestling coach. Okay. So he was like, hey, man, you should think about wrestling. I think you'd be really good. Um, I actually wrestled when I was in sixth grade. I hated it though. Yeah. Cause I was so fat at the time. It, I was just You're so out of, kid. Oh, I was, by, by the time I was in sixth grade, I was five foot two, 220 pounds. Oh shit. Huge, you were huge. Huge. My yeah. Dude. I don't think I was that big. Whenever I was in third grade, I was probably like 120 though. In third, third grade. Third yeah. Grade. That's big. It's pretty fat. Right. Cause what is that? Nine years old. Yeah. Dude. I was a fat motherfucker, but here's the thing. I was super athletic. I was I was I, I was, was not as I was that fat like athletic kid who was just I was doing better than all the skinny kids. Right, because so you I had I physics even, on your side. I didn't know I was fat actually. Right. <laughs> See, I knew I was fat. Was like, <laughs> I was, you know, I was in taekwondo. I had done um, other sports. I actually couldn't start playing football because I exceeded all the weight classes oh, really? for my age group. So yeah. I had to wait until six. But there grade. are those issues. I do remember like having to get bigger size shirts, and yeah. I, I definitely didn't want to tell people how much I weighed. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it was all. Well, I was so, you know, I didn't need to tell people like you could see it. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, anyway, by the time I was high school, I like evened out, you know, I grew eight inches in height one year and and then I was a five ten, hundred and eighty 180 pound, 13 year old, just like crushing kids in football and lacrosse and, you know, Taekwondo. I was, that was right when I was getting my black belt too. Okay. So when did you start Taekwondo? I was started Taekwondo. When I was in second grade, okay, I used to get relentlessly bullied just about my weight, and uh, I had these two girls in my my class whose father uh, ran a Taekwondo studio, Parks Martial Arts. Um, it was right down the school or street from uh, our elementary and middle and high school okay. in Baldwin. In Baldwin, um, great school. Um, Master Park was he was like old school Taekwondo background from Korea, so we got to learn. We we practiced the point based sparring, but we learned powerful strikes. We learned you know self defense techniques, not just the striking techniques, which I think is huge because you know if you can't like there's times you need to take somebody to the ground. Yeah, it that's just real life. And if you can learn like a foot sweep or yeah. how to get out from somebody just grabbing you, but from behind, that's super important. Um. But, yeah, that was a, a huge, huge athletic development for yeah. me at a young age. Big confident booster, I'm sure. Huge confidence booster. Yeah, it was man. crazy. Well, like the flexibility, I really didn't get hurt much in sports when I was around that age because, you know, I was super fat, but I could do it full splits. Oh, wow. You know, it was, Can you still do splits? No, oh, not right now. I'm maintaining it, bro. I know. I need to get – I'll get back. I, uh, I have pretty decent flexibility. Yeah. Um, you know, especially for like – guys my size and you know i 
if you get into weird positions in jujitsu, some people are like afraid of that stretch. I'm like, no, this is perfect, man. Like yeah. this is like uh, active stretching. Yeah, I'm pretty flexible. I have a lot of dexterity in my knees. It's fucking been slowly developed, but I'm always yep. pretty conscious of those weird, those weird angles. I, uh, I've kind of jacked my right side of my body up a couple times, like rolled my ankle super bad in football, yeah. tore my meniscus one time. Oh shit. And, uh, you know, I just, I've put so much rehab on this side of my body. Yeah. I don't get hurt there anymore. Huh? It's, it's really, and it's, it's kind of creates this like paradigm where we get injured, we rehab that and yeah. then tend to come back stronger. You do it well. If you do it, if you do it correctly, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, well, why don't we just do all this in the first place? And yeah, avoid prehab. Hurt. Yeah, prehab, man, exactly. Focus more on just like stretching and actual mobility work, which most people confuse like they, they think when they're stretching, they're doing mobility work. But like mobility is like strength in our injury, like in our in ranges. Yes. Like it's like having the ability to be strong even like in these like compromising kind of um i don't know like ranges of motion mm-hmm. so it's like people ignore that and if you if you focus on that if even if you like stepped away from the weights really hard and like you really focus like a year on improving your dexterity and your mobility and like strengthen that way it would improve all areas of your whole life and health it's funny you say that because i uh, you know lacrosse obviously has so much dexterity involved in it and uh i didn't really start to develop my stick skills, which is the most, um, like core aspect of the dexterity in lacrosse, being able to throw that ball while you're running on a full sprint yeah. to somebody else who's on a full sprint at a different angle right. while avoiding intersections. Um, until I developed that, I was kind of, you know, still clumsy, still, you know, I'd trip on my way to the gym, you know, I could go in there <laughs> and, and power clean all day with my eyes closed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'd, the turf monster would get me all the time. And then once I really developed those hand eye skills, the rest kind of started to fall in place. And it's like, I always say you need to build your kinetic chain either from the top down or the bottom up. Yeah. And I had a really good kinetic base, but the rest of it was so out of whack yeah. that it couldn't work together properly. Mm-hmm. And it was until like my sophomore year of college until I was like, could really walk to class with some confidence and be like, Oh, I'm not going to trip over my shoestrings. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. Dude. So, so many people, um, they just overestimate their ability. They don't really quite understand what it means to like be able to move your body. They have not <laughs> been humbled. I know, dude. Yeah. So you were injured in football. Oh, several times. Yeah, dude. Me too. All my, in- most of my injuries, if, if, Actually, all my injuries in high school came from football. Yep. Like, hurt both my ankles, hurt my elbow, hurt my shoulder. All the joints. Multiple groin, like, uh, uh, pull, like pulled my groin multiple yep. times, fucking hurt my hands all the time. Just, oh, fingers dude, smashed, jammed. Oh, oh, my goodness. It was so hard on the body. Probably the worst injury I had in football was I took somebody's helmet to the uh, lateral aspect of oh, my yeah. thigh, right where the pad wasn't. Oh. And I face remember... Face right in there. Oh, not the face mask, no, the crown of the, the helmet. Crown of it. Yeah, it came in super hard from the side. And uh, I ended up getting carted off the field and getting put in an ambulance. My right thigh swelled, swelled up 12 inches wow. larger in diameter Whoa. than my left. It was the most you painful. You right? No, I don't, what? man. Because I, I was, I was literally in my like yeah. football pads in the hospital. They had like, to cut those out. 
right? Oh, dude, we, we cut the sliders it. immediately. Yeah. I was like, yeah, get it, get it out of there. You know, yeah. I, well, I, no, I, I made him take the uh, the pants off because we just got new jerseys that year, <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 this is the new pants. Like, don't cut these. And but I was like, the sliders, you can get them out. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Whew. Whoa. Painful. Three doses of morphine later. So what was the issue? What happened? Uh, it was just like basically an extreme contusion, just oh, like really? a, um, a a trauma injury. Oh. That's all it was, you know. I mean, it was just well, at least wasn't super like... hard plastic yeah. coming in at, on a, a tender area. Right. Why does it like? I didn't know if it like broke or no, fractured. Super anything, lucky. Or... Super super lucky. Yeah, or, man. Nothing you know, torn or anything. Yeah, nothing. Whoa. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. walk for like four weeks though you know, yeah super lucky you know if he would have been like a, a six inches lower there and hit your the knee, knee yeah gone. done dude done yeah that just makes me hurt just, oh, about just it. Yep. thinking about that shit bro but here, here's the icing on the cake so we were playing um uh Lindbergh, very very competitive football team at mm-hmm. the time still is i believe um big rival of us we did not did you go to Marquette? Well. No, I went to Parkway South. Okay. Yeah, we did not clang well with uh, the Lindbergh crew. But we were tied going into overtime. I remember being in the back of the ambulance, and I was like, yo, don't drive off let yet. I'm, I'm going to watch the rest of this. <laughs> they stayed for you? Yeah, they stayed. Oh, that's dope. And, yeah, they, uh, then they kicked a field goal with, like, four seconds left on the clock to lost. win it. Oh. Yeah, and I just hear, and the kick is good. Lindbergh Flyers take the win. And just put my head down and was like, let's go. Oh. Let's let's get this leg it's taken care of. the fucking nail in the coffin right there, oh, bro. Oh, man. We were not an amazing football team. Truthfully, the wrestling team at Parkway South was the most competitive athletic team that I was a part of. Okay. Um, which was – a big reason why I think I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, but yeah, football 500 at best lacrosse, yeah, a dude. little more than 500. Yeah. So dude, I was we were humbled. terrible at football too in my high school. We what were, high school? I went to Jeff city high school. Jeff city. Okay. Yeah. And they have like this, um, very long reputation of a very strong program, but we sucked. Right. <laughs> and I blame the coaches, to be honest with you, because I don't know what bubble they were living in, but they weren't really – they were so focused on trying to win high school football games that they weren't, they weren't really concerned about, like, the players and the their – The coaching. Yeah, like, well, just their – like, the kids' future. Like, what's going to yeah. be better for the kids? Yep. And, like, trying to put them in, like, their best positions possible. They put what was best for the team. Like, for example, I played center, and I started, and I, I played – throughout my – Football career, I played every position on the line. Yep. And it's like, same. By the time I actually started playing sports and stuff, like I was a fat kid, but I uh, there's a summer or yeah, I grew like 13 inches. Wow. And like I thinned the fuck out. Yeah, yeah dude. That's big. So like I was taller, but I was thin now, and yeah. like I was fast, but it's like, so why would you put me like on the offensive line just because like, I'm a little bit bigger than everybody else? It's just, but like realistically, I should have been. <laughs> Like a tight end or something. something that would like actually help me go to college. Yeah. But that's I'm just one case. They did that with a lot of things, and they were very slow. Like you're seeing like, at the time I remember you seeing schools here in St. Louis, and the kids had like visors and different things. Right. And like at our school, they're like, nope, you can't have any of those things. Like yeah. we're not about the flash. Yeah, yeah. So we're old school. Yeah, but I don't know, man. It, hindsight being 2020, if I could go back, I would just would have really focused on wrestling. Because, yeah, yeah. I didn't start wrestling. How many times have you heard that? 
Oh yeah, people say that all the time. Just focus on wrestling. Yeah, I know well, people say they like wish they would have wrestled. Gym. Yeah, I know a lot of people say they wish they would have wrestled. I did yep. wrestle. Like I didn't. Right. St- I didn't start until I was a freshman, but then like I wrestled all through high school. I almost yep. quit my my senior year. Actually, my I was like, man, I had we had such a terrible football season, and like right. I'm just like, you know, man, I'm fucking done with all of this. I don't want to do anything anymore. Yeah, like it's my Versus senior BK. year. Yeah, and then like I'm like, I don't, I'm not gonna do wrestling. And then like my high school coach pulled me out of class. And it was oh, like, hey, yeah. man. He's like, listen. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. He's like, we need you, dude. Like, he's like, I'm, you don't have to, but I'm just, I'm just saying I think it'd be a big mistake. So I ended up wrestling. He, like, yeah. gave me a few days to think about it, and I, I'm glad I did. That's but, so funny. I have pretty, a pretty similar story. Yeah. Yeah, my freshman year, I cut a bunch of weight in, like, a week. I cut, like, 20 pounds, and uh, I ended up getting super sick. At the end of my freshman wrestling season, I got diagnosed with mono pneumonia and strep throat wow. all at the same time. It was insane. I was I, I was basically incapacitated in a bed for only a week and then was able to get back into lacrosse. That was my biggest motivation was what? lacrosse Even trials. mono? Yeah. Wow, we had a girl get mono and she was gone for like months. Months. Dude, Dude. when I went to the doctor's, you know they're you know they're gonna test my blood and everything. They're like, yeah, you're you're good, man. This is crazy. They Whoa. were like, this is a phenomenon. Superman. And yeah, I was blessed by the lacrosse gods. <laughs> they were looking out for me. But uh, so the next two years, sophomore and junior year, my parents were like, dude, there's no way we're gonna let you wrestle. And it was you know I made the best of it. I ended up going out to the East Coast and playing a bunch of lacrosse. We would team up. I I did this thing called Team Money. So M O for Missouri, N E Y for New York. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was a super cool concept. Um, we would take like 15 of uh, the top players from St. Louis, yeah. and we would pair up with 15 Division One commits mm. from New York, and we would play together. That's dope. Dude, we would wreck these indoor tournaments. <laughs> I, I bet. mean, our closest games were like two-goal wins, which <laughs> is like, that's pretty tight lacrosse game, but yeah. you know, I'm used to getting just slaughtered on my high school team this was something completely different and yeah, then you get to take that back fucking, to st louis yeah yeah you know i'm guarding kids that are going to syracuse and virginia and then now i'm going to back to guard some scrub like this feels great yeah just from a, a confidence perspective dude through the roof oh man yeah huge builder yeah but uh senior year rolled around and that's 2012 was when they changed the weight classes okay uh, so they they split i forget what they did to the bottom end but the top end became uh, it went from 189, 215 heavyweight to 82, 95, 220 heavyweight. Okay. And uh, my coach was like, dude, we don't have anybody for the 195 spot. You barely have to cut any weight, which is true. I was like, you know, coming off being fat at football at like 220. And I was like, dude, you know, yeah. I, I, I got that weight off pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. And uh, loved it. Just absolutely loved it. I, You know, it, it made me put on the the hindsight glasses and be like, oh, I wish I would have done this, but right. I, you know, I ended up playing college across, so I can't, yeah, I can't rewrite that and say it would have been better for me in any way, shape or form. Right. But it was definitely good times. Yeah. Well, I can't, I fucking football was a waste of time. I should have like played baseball or something. Baseball been sick. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause I, you know, I played football from sixth grade all the way through high school. I actually signed to play both football and lacrosse. Oh, really? In college, yeah, I was a dual sport athlete. Oh shit! And, uh, yeah, dude, I was. Well, you know, small school, you you have opportunities to do cool stuff like that, and um, I went through a month of two days, and I had been training for lacrosse. I just found CrossFit, so you know, I'm in really good shape, 
but I was getting leveled. I was, you know, 190 pounds, if that maybe, trying to play college linebacker. Mm. Getting crushed. Yeah, surrounded. Yeah, yeah, surrounded by first team all state guys. Big dudes. Yeah. And it was to the point where, you know, the season was coming around and I was a starter on special teams mm-hmm. and then like a third string or four string positional guy. And I was like, dude, do I really want to put all these hours in? It's a game of giants, man. Huge. It's so hard on the body. It's yeah. It's really not worth it. And yeah, and I wasn't having fun. I wasn't having yeah, fun. Not you know, worth it. I had more I had fun meeting people. It was it was great a great entry into college yeah. um, for me because I wasn't a big partier at the time or anything. So this was just, you know, a good way to meet some friends, yeah. you know, get get settled in. And then I ended up focusing on lacrosse, yeah. which was so thankful I did because, you know, four, I was a four-time captain. So that's cool. Yeah, that was that was big for me. Like I had always – not that I'm like – I mean, captain as a freshman, that's pretty big. Yeah, you know, I, I not that I require or really seek out that like – acknowledgement but i always did like bleeding by example yeah and just little things like resistance training i don't know why there's such a stigma with lacrosse players like they'll go crush a 40 or 30 a natty with you but like getting them to the gym is that's a different question they don't like to lift yeah a lot well i mean you know you go to a big d1 or an ncaa school d2 or one right they're gonna monitor that's just standard in almost every sport nowadays yeah you know like high school lacrosse and not so much yeah like the naia or the mcla the club divisions that we played in uh yeah they didn't as much like stress the importance of that but you know if you got one of your teammates a guy that you're gonna hang out with later who is gonna encourage you to get in there like yo i i get it let's we want to play in 64 later but like let's go get some squats in yeah do a little running and then go be friends you know yeah. or not that we weren't friends inside the gym but you know right. let's put this first um and we had some amazing talent on our team, but we needed at least one guy in that position because, I mean, a lot of we had a lot of guys with just natural talent. Yeah. And you know they they were first team All Americans, waking up eating co- like they would eat. We had this one guy who would straight up eat donuts and Monster drink Monsters before his game. Wow. He was the number one goalie in the nation. He's a goalie year. though. I mean, how 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 much running does that position do? Uh, Compared. not much, not much, right? not much, but you gotta be super reactive. You gotta be on your shit though. So he's probably all fucking wired out from monster and sugar right? and, and sugar donuts and shit. Or, I mean, you know, guys, <laughs> we had a, a four time all American attackman and, and midfielder. Yeah. Um, you know, he was probably 130 pounds soaking wet though. You know, so. trying to get him to the gym was like pulling teeth, but yeah. he was just flat out better than yeah ninety five percent of the people he saw. So it's he like would have been better if he would have lifted. That's true. You know, he would probably have been better than ninety nine percent of those people, but yeah. then he probably wouldn't have been on my team. <laughs> exactly. You know? So it's like there's kind of the balance when you uh depending on, on your surroundings. That's just Yeah. You know, we Lindenwood Belleville was such an interesting school because at the time it was, I want to say around 85% athletes yeah. going there. It was just so basically, for, yeah, school for school sports. School for athletics. What um, what division were they? They were NAIA. They were NAIA. And um, so before yeah. the NAIA adopted men's lacrosse, uh, we competed at the MCLA. I forget what that acronym breaks down to, but um, then my senior year, 
NAI adopted men's lacrosse and we were actually competing in two separate leagues. So we had a chance to compete in two national championships. That yeah. was an awesome year. Yeah. Um, now, were you guys just, were you guys just, how new was Belleville at that time? So my freshman year was the first year of graduating seniors. Okay. That they had. So that was fall of 2012 was my freshman year. So I, I want to say around 2008 or nine. Yeah. So 10 or 11 years they were open and, mm. uh, yeah. yeah, now closing the doors. Yeah. It's crazy. It just must not have made sense on the balance sheet. Linwood has a gang of money. Uh, I see. And that's why I don't think it was anything to do with the balance sheet. I don't think it was money related at all. You don't I think, think it so? Was, it was politics. Oh yeah. I think it was the, they were the, the physical disconnect between the city of St. Charles and the city of Belleville. It's 45 minutes away. Yeah. Right? It's drivable. There's people that make that drive every day. And Those people are crazy. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah. I, I've done that before. Not, not a fan, but, um, it limits the replicatability that Lindenwood is trying to take from St. Charles and implement in Belleville. And just the logistics. I remember there would be times I needed a class dropped or, you know, my my room was flooded in the dorm and I needed to get a new room or whatever yeah. shenanigans I was dealing with. I would go to, like, student services and – well, everybody's out to lunch right now, or the person uh-huh. you need to see is, is gone till Thursday, oh, that's a pain in the ass. and it's Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, it was horrible, man. Did they have dorms on that campus? So, when I, my freshman year, we had one dorm, and it was an Econo Lodge that the school bought out <laughs> right next to this the campus. Yeah. Um, so, I was literally living in a motel. That's dope. Um, yeah, they, they four did, guys They did that room. over here in St. Charles. I remember, they, it's right next to... Uh, to show me is actually mm-hmm. it, I remember I when right it, by there, yeah. I remember when that was a hotel like whenever I first went there because I graduated in 2006 and I went to Lindenwood from mm-hmm. 2006 to 2010 and uh, when I went there that was a hotel <laughs> yeah, and what's super funny they said when the the school first opened Lindenwood was you know since they were still kind of in the trial phase they only purchased the back half of the hotel Oh, so really? the front half was still being used as a hotel wow. and um, they just kind of have like a like a staircase, yeah, separating the the front half and the back half. That's funny. So like the kids scanner would only get in the back half, ah. and the adult scanner would only get in the front half. But like, so there's some shenanigans going on. Oh, I'm sure, dude. I can't imagine. Yeah. Now they had some. Well, have had dorms. You know, they're there now. I don't, I don't uh, know what's gonna happen. I'm to just them. like, man, if they're gonna sell them, dude, that'd be a lick to buy. Yeah. Shit. How about you housing? Know, you know that school costs them a dollar, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. dude. Well, because it was in debt back in the day. Like, Dr. Spellman was a hell of a businessman. Yeah. That's I, that's what I really liked about because I got my uh, – so I got my business degree from there, and it was really cool because most of the professors were just, like, retired business people. They, they'd been working in the industry for, like, 30 years in mm-hmm. their prospective fields. So a lot of the things that you're learning were, like, from people who had just got done doing this shit. And that's always the best. Yeah, man. I remember I had um – the, the exercise science department, I was so blessed. I was so blessed of all the negligent professors, of all the half-assed curriculums that the professors were asked to put forward to make the classes easier for the athletes. I got an amazing group of teachers in the exercise science department. Nice. Um, I remember 
this guy, Dr. Christopher Foz. I believe his PhD was in kinesiology. This gentleman held a profession, still holds a professional status in both bodybuilding and powerlifting. Oh wow! Which is huge to be able to do both of those diverse aspects. Yeah, what the, like Stan? Uh, fucking, I can't think of his name. I want to say like it's it's. Uh, I don't know. I call him the White Rhino. The White Rhino. Um, for some reason, like effing something, but that's not it. Is he like a physiologist? That's all. Lane Norton? No, not Lane. Is he a physiologist? That's also a. You can a tell your story. I'm still looking. Oh up. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I had this guy for Stan Efferdine. That's his name. Stan Efferdine. Not familiar. Um, yeah, I'll look him up. Yeah, show me this guy. I keep talking. Um, but yeah, I had him for classes like biomechanics, which is so applicable to everything. It's essentially the physics of exercise and movement, um, which is like kind of a subsect. It's it's a mathematical approach to kinesiology. What is biomechanics? Biomechanics. Yeah, is. it's okay. it's physics, but for yeah. exercise and movement. Um, I had him for that. I had him for theories and methods of coaching weight training, hmm. and I remember he'd be like, "All right, guys, I'm going to show you like a, a typical classical one rep max um, attempt, the build up, the warm up, and everything." And uh, you know, this guy's got 400 pounds on the back squat and he's instructing as he's squatting this down, you know, he's holding it in full parallel, make sure they reach full 90 degree angle. Beast mode. Yeah. Just crazy. And I, I love how he would stress the importance and the effectiveness of that science base yeah. approach to any, anything in the exercise world. Yeah. And you know, I had his classes, a couple other, um, anatomy and physiology courses leading up to my junior year. And, um, that's kind of right when I peaked, I had a, a good base of knowledge, um, not just practical application, but you know, an understanding of physiology. And I started shredding on the lacrosse field in that one year. Um, I will say my training, I, I've committed really hard to CrossFit training and I, I was able to peak at the right time mm -hmm. because I understood periodization. Um, I was able to train with higher volume and more frequency because I had a good understanding of physiology and nutrition. Yeah. Um, I was injured less because I had a good knowledge of recovery yeah. and rehab, which is so important. Yeah. And you know, I went out and I, I all American that was truthfully, I did not want to go to school to be a college student. I wanted to go be a college athlete. Oh, yeah. Specifically, I wanted to All-American. Yeah. I wanted to follow in my cousin's footsteps. He was an All-American over at Linwood St. Charles. Yeah. Him and his brother, who was a high school All-American, um, they were really the ones that pushed me to yeah. not, not just play lacrosse, but specifically to use lacrosse as a tool to help reach a cheaper education. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy. I was looking back that – it wasn't just play the game because it's an awesome game. It's a great game. You're going to have a great time. You're going to bash some kids and you're <laughs> going to love it, but it's also really going to benefit your future yeah. as, as a tool to get you to yeah. university. It's good to have that, um, like that foresight to understand yeah. like where it can actually take you. And it was kind of, you know, as a kid growing up or not even as a kid, but more like in the, even as an eighth grader hearing like, yo, you really need to go to lacrosse practice, Corey. It's going to get you into college one time. And I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm not even – I don't even know my freshman year schedule. And you guys are, like, having me think yeah. about the college process. And yeah. I kind of wish we didn't do that so much. And you're seeing it less right? and less, dude. Less and less kids are going to college these days. 
can't blame him. Dude, I can't blame him either, dude. Like, I, it's like I was really like deep in like this um, generation. You're probably on the tail end of it, of where like we're really like you got to go to college, force fed college. Yep. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. And it's like you're kind of seeing that shift a little bit now. I remember in high school because Parkway South, which is a great school, you know, not necessarily for athletics, but for everything else, the intangibles. I loved it. Yeah. And but specifically, they, they've toted their college enrollment. I remember every year in our lunchroom, we had this, like, um, where our offices, the counselor's offices were, sat above the lunchroom. And right around, like, springtime, they would have all these huge banners of, like, different schools, Mizzou, Illinois, whatever, Merrimack. Yeah. And they would just have every kid's name listed, hung in front of the whole school where they went to where college. Where they're going. Oh, yeah, yeah, so it's like, dude, if you – like, I knew people that – didn't want to go to school right away. Yeah. That got ridiculed because their name was not hung up in the lunchroom. And Dude, it's like, yeah. then you, then you feel that like kindergarten, like type of bullying like dude, that oh, whole you, ecosystem you outside of the is not natural dude it's just like Nuts. it's just forces people to conform and be like everybody yes. else i go to these parent teacher conferences and it's like i mean i get it we want and we're moving in we're living in a, a more educated society to a degree i mean yeah. shit um but it we're it's, it's moving faster and faster so i mean you want your kids to be well educated but they i mean this the the bar has just been moved to where it's like the things you need to know now, even going into school is the type of shit that they used to teach you in like first and second, you know, great kindergarten. Like you need, now you need to know this to even start school. Right. And like the things you're learning, like first grade, you're probably learning in like third grade whenever I was a kid or fourth grade. So it's like you're learning more earlier, but oh, what the fuck? What, what was my point? Oh, so it's like, then you get judged on this, on this scale of that of these standardized scales that's set yep. by the state where it's like oh well every kid should be kind of at this pace but it's like it's it's not a model that actually measures all forms of intelligence 100 percent. you know what i mean oh yeah and then you're starting like you know you start comparing the other kids you have uh you know you have your class rank you know what yep. i mean Cause, and don't get me wrong life is competitive and there are winners there are losers and you are competing in various degrees but it's like that particular model it like creates it's it, all it is like a feeder system for this other system. You yeah. Know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's like, like minor league baseball, you know, we're just feeding you up to the big league. That's all it is, man. We're yep. just creating factory workers. So it's, it's just like, man, it's not real is my point. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I get annoyed whenever I go to like these parent teacher conferences because it's like, in like my, so my daughter has, um, she's on the autism spectrum. So we go right. to what's called an IEP in yep. individualized education, uh, program yep. meeting every, every year. And we go over like, what's her progress like? And you know, what are her goals? And is she meeting these goals and different things and kind of just charting her progress, which is really cool. And like the school's very involved and whatnot, but like some of the things I'm just like, they just, I'm just like, I'm not concerned about yeah. it at all because I'm just like your like your um your expectations are kind of absurd because once she gets a little bit older and she gets a uh, she gets a better rap on certain things and like she gets into the real world these things that you're worried about won't matter 
Right. You know what I'm saying? Because like it's it's just a different it's just a different ball game when you're not confined to these four walls with these people that you may or may not like every day. Like yep. how many people are complete outcasts in school, but then they they get out of school and then they find their community and they fucking blossom, dude. Right. You know what I mean? Like you can choose to be around people that you want to be around. And it's it's crazy. I like with the IEP program. So my my mom ran a daycare for years. Okay. So you get out, you see kids right when they're getting diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, whatever, if they're on the spectrum, yeah. they're going through the medication process, which yeah, medication Lord. wasn't even an option for us. Like, yeah, that. yeah. That, oh my gosh. The seeing the kids meds get changed was, is it would make them such a different person. But uh, anyway, they spend so much time focusing on getting kids to behave a certain way inside that classroom. And it's like, well, this is not where their life's going to be right. after the fact. That's not even natural for other kids to right. sit there like that right. and to do that. And, like, and they're finding that, which is really cool because at the elementary school, like um, the teachers are pretty good. They have like these different areas where the kids can see and kind of like kind of sit and learn and um, some like on the floor and like some yeah. over here. So like they're getting better at it. but it's Spatial just, understanding. Yeah, it's just not a natural environment for yeah. kids, dude. For sure. Yeah, so it blows me away whenever uh, they just start to uh, look at the wrong shit, in my opinion. <laughs> right. It's so funny. Then you think of, like, you know, the McCormicks. They're all homeschooled, and it's like, I don't fully understand how that process works. Yeah, I'm pluses sure and minuses to that, too, right? For sure. For sure. And, you know, there's, I'm sure, some sort of state oversight, some, some yeah. governing body that yeah. has a checklist that you have to meet, but, like, you know, what if, what if you could design your program and have someone else follow that for your kids learning opportunity? That's yeah. Well, you essentially, dude, you can go to high school online nowadays. I was just in Florida and, um, dude, they were advertising that everywhere. Really? And apparently it extends to multiple States. I don't know if it's in all States, but it's just like online school, just like you would for college, but for high school, I can see it. You for, know, uh, Jackson Henson did that. He went online schooling. For high school? Yeah, dude. No way. Yeah, man. When he was a freshman, or not a freshman, so uh, his junior year, he went out to the Olympic Training Center and was training That's out there sweet. and going to school. Yeah, That's right? super cool. He's had a very unique like upbringing. It's pretty yeah. cool training that kid, but online school, I mean, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That's one thing that I was never really, I, I had the, or one thing I didn't have the option to do with uh, the exercise science classes. We had these great teachers, but we had so few of them. And the class or the curriculum uh, for, the, for the degree program was so specific. Yeah. I never really had many like good online classes. So mm -hmm. it was like kind of this balance of it forced you to be more engaged. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you can only go to a bio. I shouldn't say you can only, but at times you're sitting in a class learning about exercise physiology and you're yeah. like, Oh, I wish I could just go do this yeah. right now. And some classes we had had like uh, labs where, you know, you learn how to do a VO2 test on someone that's mm -hmm. really cool or uh, learning how to do a DEXA scan or, or properly uh, yeah. use calipers to measure someone's body fat. Yeah, um, I hate calipers, though. I feel like they're so inefficient. They are. I mean, there's just so much human error. And yeah. it's just like, why are we even doing this? I don't even do them. I don't even take them. I just take yeah. circumference, circumference, uh, circumference measurements. I mean, it's probably the more reliable, more reliable one. Even then, there's going to be a little bit of human error. And more reliable and uh, a little bit more valid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Because, I mean, uh, I mean uh, caliper is not going to tell 
film in like the actual composition. Right. Like a DEXA scan would or yeah. Or like a displacement test or something. So yeah, I remember uh air displacement plethysmography is oh, sure. the uh proper term for uh you know what a bod pod is? No, what is this? It it looks like it looks like the uh the space shuttle that Vegeta hit Earth in. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, it looks exactly like that. It's <laughs> this little pod. The method that it uses is called air displacement plethysmography, mm-hmm. um, which is a measurement of how much air you displace within a closed environment. Right. And opposed then, to water. Right, exactly. It's right. the exact same thing mm-hmm. as a hydrostatic wing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which is like the gold standard for like a lot of people. I've never right. even heard of the the air, which sounds probably even more accurate. You know, well, they had to develop the air method because people were getting weird about like being fully submerged underwater yeah. in the cage. Mm. And you have to fully, in order for that to be efficient, you have to fully exhale all of your internal gases mm. um, for it to get true readings and measurements. And it's just like way less uh, spatially efficient. Yeah, it's hard um, to find around a, here. A huge pool. Like, yeah, you hey, let me use your pool. I'm going to put somebody in a cage and fully <laughs> fully submerge them. They're like, get out of here, bro. You're crazy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you just get, jump in this little bean pod and... Uh, you know, you enter your height, weight, um, your age, your gender, and uh, then jump in. Yeah. It'll speak to you like that's cool. Bod Podge now measuring, and <laughs> then it will tell you uh, your percent body fat. And uh, yeah. it's, it's quick, convenient. You know, it's like yeah. 60 seconds or less. That's dope. You get a really accurate measurement. They have that at Belleville? Uh, so, yeah, we had one at Belleville. Yeah. Um, I, I, it might be getting sent back to St. Charles now. Probably. You pretty, for that type of uh body composition testing you almost have to go to a university i found there aren't yeah. there aren't too many like private uh businesses that offer that i found one for water displacement but it's like a mobile unit and like mm. it's not you can't do it every day of the week like you couldn't yeah it's like very select whenever they're around and it's like fuck man like what's a, what's somebody to do man right shit but i'm not a fan of online school i prefer to actually go into class and like sit down and depending on the subject and right. the teacher of course but i I like that experience it kind of like primes me to learn oh 100 percent. i i'm i feel like especially since I've gotten older, I feel like my attention span's gotten shorter. Oh, really? It's crazy. Like some of that just could be all the devices and the society we live in. I, I don't, I don't know, man, but I, you know, I used to be able to sit down and crush like a three hour movie. No problem. Or like two, three hour movies back to back. Yeah. Can't do it anymore. I feel like that's a waste of time. I have a hard time sit like mentally. You're thinking of all the other things. Yeah, man. I just, I just look at everything as like an opportunity cost and I'm just like, man, it's diminishing returns, man. Like what's the utility of this distraction right now? Yep. And after a certain point and depending on like when you're kind of like inserting that in your day, yeah, the timing. Yeah. The timing is key, right? Yeah, man. You're going to wake up and watch, uh, you know, an hour and a half of YouTube first thing in the morning. Dude, or? I try not to stare at anything. Like, I yeah. get on, I start, like, working social, like, making some posts and doing some engagement. But I, I, I view that as work to a degree. Yeah. Um, but it, it you can, can be, for sure. But you can easily get distracted and start scrolling, and then at, at that point, it's no longer work. You're just fucking addicted like everybody else. So here's, <laughs> here's a funny thing I had to do. I was spending way too much time on Facebook and I I realized it was because I had it like right here, like right when I opened it. That was the first thing I'd see. Yeah. All the notifications and 
literally putting it on the next, the next yeah page because it's, it's one more step yeah it just you put it a little bit farther away yeah and make it more difficult dude it was my usage went down so much yeah. and it, i just felt so good and yeah it was crazy like of all all the vices i'm like oh man that's what i picked like really man i remember so i went to uh i went to miami and then the bahamas i think it was probably two years ago now and um, I, my friend, it was super early in the morning, picked me up, took me to the airport, and um, I left. I've done this several times, actually. I left my phone in his car. Like, oh. I have this habit where, like, I'll put it in between my legs. It's just sitting yep. in between my legs on the See seat. See you later. Yep, I'll get out, and yep. then I fucking, I'm rushing in, and it's super busy, and it's early in the morning. Like, I don't know, I had, like, a 6 a.m. flight or something like this, so it's 5-something. And it's super busy, and I'm like, oh, fuck dude like i left my phone i walk outside i'm like there's no way he, he saw this because he picked me up he was damn near half drunk like i don't think he right. went to sleep like <laughs> he's been up all night and um turns out so i'm like all right whatever like i go through i go for like the week-long vacation or however i was gone for like six or seven days no phone which made it pretty difficult like while i was yeah. there i met up with my sister i was down there i ended up just getting on facebook thank goodness for like the internet and at the uh, hotel and just right. like the free computer. So I was able to get a hold of people and kind of do what I needed to do. But it was actually really nice to be unplugged for the week. We're leaving. Yeah, dude. Like yep. I came back and it made like, even whenever I got back, I wasn't on my phone very much, which was super cool. Turns yeah. out though, he actually did see my phone circled back around. Oh, but no. I was like, dude, how am I supposed to know you're going to come back? I had no way to communicate with you. Like how right. much, like what are the odds of you actually seeing that coming back around? dude? Exactly. Oh, so, but it ended up being like a good thing. Yeah, unplugging, it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. I go to um, a festival called Electric Forest every year. and Oh, yeah? What's that? Uh, it's a music and art festival up in Rothbury, Michigan. Okay. Uh, it's right outside of Muskegon. Okay. And uh, it's like, in terms of the music, a lot of jam bands, a lot of electronic artists, kind of like a 50-50 blend. Um, but just like, it's the most beautiful escape. I mean, just being outside oh, for yeah. like almost a week straight, you Man, know, that's so refreshing. So you're like camping the whole time you're yeah. there. Yeah. They that's have dope. like cabin options and like RV options, but right. we, we keep it simple. You know, that's a big part of it for me is the, the camping experience. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Michigan is frail with the weather. You know, it's like St. Louis and the, the fact that it will have the rapid, changes mm -hmm. but since it's right off lake michigan it'll be 95 by noon and then sometimes pouring down rain by five or six. Oh man so you really got to be prepared i think it forces the preparedness yeah um it forces a, a sense of community in like the people around you you know it's when you're camping with 15 20 different people around you you'd be foolish not to go say what's up and make friends. And, oh, yeah, you know. man. You're in a little community there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, let's work together to have a wonderful experience. Absolutely. The only thing they don't have there, which I, I've had this thought, is, like, they don't encompass any sort of, like, athletic endeavors. And I've like, I'm like, of all the beautiful handmade art, music, you know, inspiring social moments that they have, I think if they could some way highlight – athletics yeah like i've always thought like a wrestling match or something yeah would be so cool to show like you know the importance of sportsmanship yeah. or you know i've, I've thought like a lacrosse you know, game would be sick and that'd there. be cool talk about the history you know it was a, a game that was originally used for war it was also used for medicine though oh, really yeah so oh, wow. um you know it was used instead of like traditional war they would play a game of lacrosse yeah um and 
it was very warlike. You know, they used right. a wooden stick, a wooden cross, mm-hmm. and instead of that nice rubber ball, it was just a rock. Okay. And, um, you know, you'd be running through trees, and, uh, you know, guys would basically be trying to take your head yeah. off in a literal sense. Well, a lot of games are a simulation of war, right? I mean, football, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it's the same thing. Exactly. But this was used as medicine as well, which is so great. Um, so the Native Americans, they believed that the game of lacrosse, or at least when played correctly, um, it pleases the creator, uh-huh. their God. Um, so if someone was sick, they would lay them down next to the field, and people would play, uh, just you know, play their hearts out, <laughs> trying to please the better. creator. Yeah, and they believe that if they could please the creator through the game of lacrosse, yeah. that the creator could then pass forth, uh, you know, new health oh. to this person. Where was lacrosse like originated? Uh, I want to say the Iroquois, and then so it's a Native American game. Yes, it's oh. a Native American game, and then it was adapted by the French. The First Nations. I don't know what the fucking PC yeah. term is. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Uh, uh, I, I want to say Iroquois is the a big nation for lacrosse. I forget this. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's um one nation that still like one tribe that still competes oh really yeah and like uh the world games okay so like you know team usa team canada there's a tribal team that plays and is killer that's dope yeah they play a very unique style of look like you can tell it's it's casual for them and they're just so they're so connected with a cross yeah like we always as lacrosse players we talk about this being an extension of yourself yeah um and it's it's true in terms of like creating um, hand-eye coordination and everything, but the extension of themselves to each other, to their teammates. This next level. Next level. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not, I'm throwing a pass behind my back, not because I see you there, but because I know you're there. Yeah, it's different. You know, I we've we've just rehearsed this. We've done this. They're in such unison. Right. Yeah. You exactly. see that with, like, great players and, like, I mean, I'm sure lacrosse or, like, hockey mm-hmm. or, like, basketball where there's yeah, just, like, any this, team game. where there's this flow and, like, there can really be, like, this, this breakaway and, like, everybody's in unison. Yeah, man. Right. That's some cool-ass shit. You know what would be good at festivals? I mean, do they do yoga or anything there? Oh, yeah. Yoga yeah. every morning. I would say yoga would be yoga good. Yoga every um, morning. Dude, this mace shit, dude, so steel mace, like, especially, like, steel mace flow in particular, which is can be can be very, like, meditative and um, almost, like, dance-like and, yeah, yeah. and play-ish. Like, that actually goes, I think that's, like, a pretty cool thing and would go well at, like, festivals and different things. I think so, 100%. Yeah, it's a pretty cool tool. It's very primal. Yeah. And, like, it's it's fun, yeah. and then it's expressive as well. I think that'd probably be, like, a cool thing in that type of space. Yeah, I think oh, now I just love that they're looking at, you know, how can I benefit myself physically, and yeah. which will benefit myself mentally and socially. Yeah. Um, and especially. Plays together. Yeah, well, in these environments where, you know, some people are just, like, poisoning their body and just, like, putting all the wrong things in it for wrong reasons yeah, and just man. going too hard. Oh, yeah. And um, then you kind of have this balance of, well, what? yeah, you can do that. This is a place you can have those freedoms. Maybe you can dip your toes in that way, see how it feels. And then maybe you wake up another morning and yeah. you go do yoga yeah. and you can kind of have that contrast. And I, I remember other years going to that festival and just like parting my face off. Yeah. And, like falling asleep behind the wheel, driving home, just feeling horrible for oh, like a week man, after. That's terrible. And uh, and then this year, you know, it was well. Really, the biggest difference was 
all the things I did in the 360 days prior. leading yeah. right prior, um, all those big changes I've implemented in my life and then changing what I did, my behavior in those five, six days there, it was just an amazing experience. Like when really, do they have it? When is the, it's like late June, late early June. July. So you just did it. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's awesome. That's it's dope. me and, um, the uh, guys I played lacrosse with and a couple other friends. You guys do this annually? Annually. That's dope. Yeah, our friends just got married, one of our teammates, and uh, him and his wife did it for their honeymoon. Oh, nice. Yeah, and, you know, they just had a kid, so it's like pretty soon we're going to have uh, <laughs> a little one with us. Is it that type of party? Yeah, dude. Oh. All ages. All dude, ages that's, events. That's cool. Family. Nice. Family. Yeah, that's something you guys – that's that's a sustainable event, right? Yeah, yeah. dude. They do all this cool stuff where, like – um. So it's not just like trash cans, like you have sorted trash, recycling, plastic. Um, and if people see you like picking up, there's stories of people walking around with like trash bags, um, you know, attendees, just regular attendees mm -hmm. picking up trash. They actually do this. It's called prize cart yeah. where you can at any point turn in just bags of trash that you picked up. And they'll like timestamp or not timestamp it, but name stamp it. They'll track how much trash you're turning in. Yeah. And if you're, if you put, submit more trash than anyone else, like I've seen people get free tickets for the next year. Oh, nice. So it's a good incentive. Super, super good incentive. They teach so many like. I'd be the motherfucking trash man. Dude, it, you see, I'm not kidding. I saw people this year with like, you know, those little claw grabbers. Yeah. That people pick, pick up, up on the up, highway. Things up. Dude, they got like a, a little light flashlight taped to it, like little LED wires. So they're seeing trash in the dark yeah. picking up cigarette butts going hard it's a good move yeah the cigarettes are so gross man gross dude i can vent on those it's it's and I've, I've always had issues with cigarettes and I, I i hate when people just flick their cigarette butts oh, everywhere and it's, it's just like nasty and lazy yeah and um and distasteful then, and then come to find out that it's one of the like the number one um uh causes for like uh not the causes but uh what, contributors to plastic uh waste plastic waste yeah okay. like it's like it's cigarette buds yeah so it's like this is crazy yeah why first of all it's it, you're sucking on a cancer stick right and then you assholes are gonna just throw these away and just like or throw them on the ground and just pollute like you're contributing mostly to all the pollution from plastic so i went to new zealand a couple of years ago and they put in this uh this bill it's called Stop Smoking by 2020. I forget when they implemented it, but uh, it gave, I believe it was a, a six month, so a biannual increase on tobacco sales of like 20%. Mm. Huge. Yeah. Jacking up 20% every six months. And a, the, the way they advertise the bill was like we're just gonna make smoking so expensive people can't afford to do it. Nope, people just pay it. Dude, and it just completely blew open their poverty gap <laughs> which was already very expanded yeah. in that country it's like really unfortunate and then you threw that on and these people are you know going broke just burning squares dude they're addicted it's nuts it's so addicted yeah man. when i was there for a pack of uh dunhill switches which is like basically like a camel crush yeah 28 us dollars wow. what country pack. new zealand wow yep Dude, it's so crazy because I'm reading this book. I'm almost finished with it now. It's called Smoke Signals, and it's about it's like a comprehensive, um, it's like look at you know like cannabis and the yeah. like the whole history of it, like yeah. socially and culturally and like politically. You read it? No. Oh, but 
you know, we have these things like tobacco and like opioids, like these synthetic compounds, which are killing massive amounts of people. Yet for some reason, dating back since what, like the 30s or 40s is kind of when uh, prohibition kind of started for cannabis. There's just been this witch hunt for this herb, this plant, this weed. Like you, like right? It's so crazy. It doesn't harm anybody. It helps so many people. So many people for so many different ailments. We have a naturally occurring endocannabinoid system with these receptors specifically designed for this thing, and and yet it's okay to like sell alcohol and it's okay to buy tobacco and like we push sugar addiction from the time we're caffeine dude when you're one years old people don't realize because i don't know why but we like to think of it oh it's just sugar it's food but it's not it's a drug because we push sugar addiction from the time you're one when you're one years old you can go to most grocery stores and get a free birthday cake for your one-year-old birthday right and Why like you give it to a one-year-old, you give it to a one-year-old, they don't really even know what to do with it because yeah. up until now they haven't had a ton of sugar, maybe a little bit here and there, but not a lot. And like they're like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. So it's like we're pushing the sugar addiction on them from the very get-go, which is crazy. But if you look at it, what is sugar? I I I, I mean, I always compare it to cocaine because it's so easily seen, and if you don't see it, I, well, I'm going to help people see it right now, hopefully. Because, all right, what do you have? You have the coca leaf, which is, I mean, a very mild stimulant, which people, like native people, chew on it all the time. It's like compared to, like, coffee. Right. It's not super addictive. But then you put it through this this process, and then you extract it, and then you get this concentrated form of cocaine, this white powder. From this plant, you get this concentrated form, this white powder called cocaine. We did the exact same thing with sugar, right? Sugar cane does not come in a white powder. It's a fucking, it's like a stock, right? Yep. And it's like a semi-sweet thing, and then we fucking, you know, we put it through our process, and then you get this concentrated white fucking substance I've never thought of it called like that. sugar. That's crazy. And that's the only fucking difference is we call it something different and we put it on the fucking market. Yeah. And it actually lights up the brain the same way as cocaine. I think it actually lights yeah. up more areas of the brain than cocaine. And it's just as addictive, if not more addictive. What the fuck is the difference? Yeah. What is the difference? Can, you, always, can you explain the difference to me? <laughs> I always say it blows my mind how accessible we have made alcohol and not even how accessible the social aspect of drinking is horrible dude i can't stand it where we grew up especially because like I, whenever i was in la man like there's no real pressure to not do what you don't want to do like you don't want to drink cool dude no big deal like yeah. all right you don't want to smoke no big deal but like here oh you smoke like you're kind of a, a weirdo if you smoke Right. De- depend like socially for the big part, but even though a lot of people smoke and it's not like a big deal anymore. But going out and getting wasted is totally cool. Totally normal, but like, all right, well, you don't want to drink. Well, what's wrong with you? Is there a problem? Yeah. Yeah, because I've been really wrestling with this thing of like just entirely stop drinking. Like I can keep it pretty social, um, but even then, like I'm kind of getting over to even like social drinking, which is why the 75 Heart Program is like perfect at the moment because like I'm not drinking. Right. For at least for this. So it's like, man, I just might just stop drinking entirely, and this might just be my catalyst because you go out here and people act like you're weird. It's just so socially acceptable, but it's not really what I want to be doing. That's I had to walk that path. Like in Belleville, the the bar scene's huge. Yeah. Fun fact. Same thing. Fun facts about Belleville. 
longest main street in the United States, hmm. most bars per square foot, and most bars per capita. Really? Of anywhere in the United States, Belleville, <laughs> Illinois. Did not know that. Yeah, you'd never guess it, little town like that, but seriously, every corner there's at least a couple dive bars open. Dude, college towns are like that. And well, this is even before it was a college town. Oh, really? You know, that's just it was a drinking town. Oh, uh, it's a blue collar. Yeah, it's and people drinking and working hard. Cheap, cheap drinks. You know, and people these bars are opening up at noon. <laughs> I actually I rented my house from a guy that owned a, a bar in Belleville. And I would go in and I would pay my rent before I'd go into work. So I'd go in there at like three, pay my rent, say what's up to the owner or his wife, whoever I was paying with. I'd see people there drinking and I'm like, all right, drinking middle of the day, whatever. Uh-huh. I get, I go to work, <laughs> come back, get back to the bar at like 11. I'm like, you're still here. Same people dude. just Same hanging out people. the bar all day. Yeah. It's like the shit you see on TV. It is. It is. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's seriously, everybody knows your name. <laughs> and <laughs> which is like, yeah, I'm like, dude, I don't know how much like that's, that perpetuates the things. That's funny, in my dude. opinion, you know, and that's, dude, I walked a really bad path for a little bit. It started, you know, just drinking at the bar with the friends after work. We all were in the service industry and, that was just the thing to do. Yeah. Everybody my age in that area would go to one or two bars, and we were all getting off work at 10, 11, whenever our respective restaurant closed down, yeah. going to another. And uh, it went from that to very quickly, very quickly drinking a pint of whiskey on my way to work yeah. in the morning. It escalates quick, dude. So fast. Your tolerance goes up. Yeah. and It wrecks your sleep. Oh man, recovery, it was, like, it was horrible. Poisoning your whole body. Dude, I was drinking probably a liter of whiskey. At your height? A day. <sighs> yeah. Bro, you're going hard. Hard. I've been there, man. Not a liter, but I was easily crushing a fifth every day, day and a half. Yeah. Drinking a fifth, like, no problem. And this was like a really low moment in my life. Like I, I was Oh like, yeah. This like, is <laughs> right after lacrosse ended for me. Yeah. All my eligibility was gone to where like, you know, I, I couldn't play at the competitive level it's again. Like, what else? I wasn't good enough to go pro and uh the beer league I couldn't stand. It was just yeah. so the it, it was lacking competitiveness in uh-huh. such a strong sense that I'm like, dude, you don't even like guys get mad when you throw a check. And I'm like, that's what this game is. Like, I understand they're like, oh man, you know, I got to go to work the next day. Okay. Well, you I, should I get be doing it. something else. Bro. Yeah, we'll get play bigger soft- arm pads. We'll play softball. Yeah, play kickball. <sighs> yeah. You know, whatever. This is, this is a rough game. This is a war game. Yeah, you're playing lacrosse or like guys who play like you know uh leagues in rugby or something yeah like a casual rugby league like there's no such thing no, that's bro. a catch 22 yeah it doesn't work yeah and you know it's it is what it is there's no like there's no we we definitely don't put on the huge body checks mm-hmm. in the men's league like i have done yeah uh, the rest down, of bro. my career right but you know, just everything. Guys are bitching more, and yeah. you know that I, that lack of competitiveness definitely drove me to the bottle. And uh, yeah, dude, it was rough. Jujitsu saved my life. Yeah, I was gonna ask, is that was that kind of what led you into jujitsu, or so so leading? I mean, all these years leading up, you know, I was on and off involved in the combat sports. Right. I mean, because taekwondo, taekwondo, right? Wrestling. Um, actually. My, Nick Labosco was one of my wrestling coaches senior year. Oh, was he? Yeah, with uh with Jim Lake. Okay. And uh so and we had another one of our offensive linemen our offensive line coaches who practiced judo. Um 
not with I don't think with Foggy or anything, but you know he would come in the wrestling mm-hmm. room and just throw us throws yeah. and uh, you know the sacrifice those real cool stuff, and uh, I always had that appreciation for not just the individual martial arts but like MMA specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I remember watching. UFC when I was in eighth grade through high school year and yeah. uh, I just I was fascinated by it. It was that was like the Rampage, Sugar Rashad, Chuck Liddell era, Glory and that light heavyweight. Dude. Right, yeah. I used to do the Iceman. I didn't yeah. I didn't understand what being the Iceman meant mm-hmm. until that junior year of lacrosse. Yeah, where just you've put you've prepared for everything. Zero nerves, baby. zero nerves. Yeah, I dude. used to go. I used to dance on the field for my <laughs> warm up. Yeah. Just dance on the Just field ready. right in front of my opponent's sidelines. Yeah. Then I'd go into my agility work. Yeah. And just go to work. Shut <laughs> down. Dude, that's where it's at. Yeah, breaking breaking spirits. Yeah. You can break their body or break their spirit. It, and dude, one's easier. Man, I remember in wrestling you used to break people. Yeah. I've had a couple of practices where I've broken a couple of partners, just make push them until they cry. I always say you can either Remove someone from competition yourself or get them to remove themselves. Oh, yeah. And one's way easier. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I was it, was, it was kind of, you know, hindsight funny. I would come home just all wasted every night and I'd lay down in my drunken stupor and I would watch like Gracie breakdown videos or just UFC fights, yeah. whatever, whatever, anything combat sports related. And uh, I did the math on how much money I was spending per week on alcohol yeah and in one week of drinking i had enough i had spent enough to afford a whole month of training so dude you're going hard yeah wow so is your intention to fight uh, I, I would definitely like to yeah i see you cage. in mma class yeah i uh i definitely want to try it there's I, until i know i'm awful at it why not yeah you know i understand there's assumed risks but dude honestly the amateur shit is so easy it really I've is. Heard that. It's so easy. You only yeah. really need to be good at one thing to be I, successful. I don't want to. You're probably well rounded enough when you take someone down, submit them. I don't. I don't want to underplay uh, an opportunity that someone else has to punch and kick me in the face. You know, at the end of the day, it's still a fight. Yeah. But I think between some background, between all the things that i've learned with st charles mma oh, my yeah. time here oh yeah my understanding of just little things physics yeah you know mechanics biomechanics kinesiology i mm-hmm. think that right there is a big edge i have over a lot of guys in that like amateur position yeah i think your mentality is where it's at bro because i hear you like and i can see it in your eyes like when you start like talking about lacrosse you kind of get into this mental space bro you start getting this little fucking killer look in your eye bro Dude, so <laughs> i had my my college lacro- lacrosse coach Dan Mertzloff, love him to death. He taught me how to be a man. Yeah. And uh, he had, as a defenseman, his big thing was posture screams conviction, mm-hmm. right? From the moment you step out and look your opponent in the eye, because I get to go, I'm a captain, I'm shaking somebody's hand yeah. before the whistle is, is even going down. That's a moment to win right there, yeah. Yeah, if I can just look into your soul right there and just from that moment let you know there's nothing you have in your little bag of tricks that's even going to come close to trumping what I've prepared for you. Yeah. And uh, then you just get kids remove themselves from the game. Dude, yeah. How do you like to get into that mental space? Um, it was everything leading up to it. That's, that's what it was. I had learned, you know, I used to focus so much on – what I was doing the day of competition. Yeah. 
and like have all these mental rituals and everything. And it was so strenuous that I realized the more time I invested into every other moment leading up to it, that I could do whatever I wanted. I, I'm not kidding when I'm saying I would dance in front of my opponent's sideline yeah. just because I wanted to get – that's how I wanted to get loose. Yeah. Dance right in your face. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's it's what I did leading up to it. You know, I did – actually, the one thing I really liked was a, a nice, slow um, – not plyometric, but just a good dynamic warm-up. Yeah. Yep. Really yeah. get in touch with – all the different aspects of the field yeah. that I could. Cause you know, even playing on turf, like some, some patches are like a little slipperier than others. You know, if I yeah. could be like, all right, you know, we got a little downhill slope here. Yeah. Get just that get in tune. Feel. So did you, so you would just kind of think about this, all the work that you put in and this, I didn't even have to think about it. You just it. knew it already. Knew. By the time that day hit, Icebox. You, you just fucking, you're confident cause all the Icebox. preparation was done. Yeah. I used to, jokingly call myself lockdown yeah because i was never like a big takeaway defender mm-hmm. or anything like that but i would always just sh- i was like the darrell Reeves of my lacrosse team i don't know who that is darrell Reeves just shut down defender okay um <laughs> he was a cornerback for the jets all right ice cold nice ice man at his position i can dig it and uh you know when if you get a guy that's averaging three four five points a game in lacrosse which is not unheard of by any means and you put him on zero what what does that do to his confidence dude you wreck his confidence what does that do to his contribution to the team that puts unnecessary pressure on other players who aren't used to having that pressure oh yeah it's a systematic downfall yeah that you impact whole cascading effect domino effect yep yeah i like that did you do visualization or do you do visualization now or anything like that so i did a lot of visualization so my biggest thing with lacrosse too is making it a simplified game state Mm -hmm. right i only was really trying to do two things take away the top side from my opponent to where you know if if the goal is behind me i just need to stay above you the whole time. Yeah. Because as we're going to keep approaching the goal, your angle is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. I have someone else coming perpendicularly mm-hmm. to cut off that angle even more. Right. Um, if I could do that and if I could make my opponent take one hand off their stick. What does that do? Uh, if if you take one hand off your stick, yeah, your stick control is diminished yeah i mean greatly. Can you throw with that? Can you pass or shoot? With minimal effectiveness. Okay. You know, it's like – it's like controlling somebody's posture. Yeah. You know, when you've got their head down, yeah, they can yeah. swing around and make contact. I can throw a ball with one hand, but, but it's not effective. Can I do it on the run? Yeah. With somebody checking me? If you're a badass, you can. If you're a badass, but I was a badass, can you do it against a badass? That's a good question. Right? And with, with w- the move set that was legal in lacrosse as a defenseman, yeah. I mean, poke checks to the groin. You can do that? 100% legal. What? Poke jets to the stomach. Um, you know, I, I jokingly but seriously say this. I've thrown more knees in a week of lacrosse than I have in my entire six months of training MMA. Really? I'm not kidding. Man, you guys are assholes. Dude, assholes. You got to be an asshole. Dude, it's a vicious sport. I didn't, dude, in, so in my high school, we didn't even have lacrosse. A lot of schools still don't. I, didn't, I don't think I even knew what it was until like maybe it was either sophomore or junior year. We had a kid in my grade who did lacrosse, but he had to go. So I was in Jefferson City. He had to right. go to Columbia and play it. Hickman. Uh, I think he played actually at uh, Rockbridge. 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 Yeah, he played with Rockbridge. Yep. 
And um, I, I didn't really know too much about it. I saw it in American Pie. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What a bad reputation. And then, yes, and then right definitely. around that era was like the Duke scandal. And, yeah, you know, lacrosse wasn't looking good. It was not. Um, but I gained some appreciation like watching uh, Lindenwood play. Yeah, because their team was really good. And then, what year did you go to Lindenwood? Uh, 06 to 2010. Did you know Grant Kellum? No. Okay, I was saying that was when my cousin was playing there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So I mean, I like watching though. And the same thing with uh, uh, soccer. I gained a deep appreciation for soccer in college, dude, because yeah. Lindenwood's team was phenomenal. I just loved watching them, and that's when I started playing FIFA. Right. <laughs> FIFA led into the to the interest, but um, dude, it's a hell of a sport, man. Um, a lot of big checks. I mean, yeah. like like in hockey, like it's crazy the amount of like punishment that you guys like just run full force into each other, dude. We have. Um it's kind of, it's kind of gnarly, but there's a, a a move in lacrosse we call like coma slide. A coma slide. A coma slide, right? <laughs> so if, if here's if here's the goal, yeah, right, facing outwards towards you, uh-huh. and uh, an offensive because you can run behind the goal in lacrosse. Mm-hmm. An offensive player is driving up towards the goal, and I'm guarding him. Mm-hmm. So I just still want to take away topside okay. here. So that forces him to either. Keep coming topside into me mm-hmm. or roll under. Mm-hmm. And when he rolls under, this guy is just coming it's to cut, take his head across. off. Oh. Yeah. That's legal? 100% legal. Like, there, there's ways. Like, you can get called for, is like, a – Is kind of uh, frowned upon, though? No, it's it's coached. That's, oh. like, textbook. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's uh, 100% uh, how you set that Savages, up. dude. Yeah. You, you, there's, like, rules <laughs> with, like, uh, the checking, yeah. like um, – uh, especially recently with all the concussion injuries, which yeah. is totally real. I was going to say, like, I, you ever like, worry about it. the trauma? Like, if you're... I was always dishing it out. Yeah, but if you're dishing it, you're still getting it as well because, I mean, force meets force. That is true. It's, you're not, See, I, you're not I, in a vacuum. <laughs> I tried to check in a manner in which reduced the amount of damage I was receiving. I threw a lot of like, yeah. you know, big shoulders <laughs> and like big elbows sometimes yeah. where, you know, I got called more for like spearing and stuff, which it's happened. I, I did spend a fair amount of time in the only box <laughs> and I had a little bit of uh, a reputation in the local Just wrecking fools, area. huh? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, w- I was that guy. That's funny. But, uh, you know, that's the game. Hey, man, it's you know? the game you play. Take somebody out of the game, and not and not even that I'm trying to physically injure somebody. I don't like that. I I think you know there's guys that go out looking to you know I'm I'm gonna hit you low and try and see if I can get, like you know hurt your knee or something. I don't like that yeah, style of play. Do it correctly. Do yeah. it with respect. But if I can do so in a way that you know, I'm not trying to put you in an ambulance by any yeah. means. I'm not trying to mess your life up outside of this game. Yeah, because it's just a game at the end of the day, but still. But you when I can win. hit you hard enough to where you really think about it, yeah. you make somebody hesitate. You know, it's just a part of it. I, rem- I remember one time um, in football, like, I tackled somebody, and he probably just fell wrong. It wasn't like I just hit him super hard, but, like, he broke his collarbone. Oh. Right, which sucks. Never done that. In the moment, oh. though, I was just like, yeah, like, yeah fucked exactly. you up. <laughs> right. But it's like, man, like in hindsight, it's like, damn, that sucks, man. That guy had like months to like deal with that one little play, dude. Yep. It, was, it was a clean sack, though. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, hey, I, man, assumption of risk. The Probably the worst moment for me, I, we, I remember my sophomore year, 
we had some, some great goalies and uh, myself and one other really, really great defenseman on the team. And uh, we were playing, I want to say St. John's. They were like top four. They were in four in the country, which yeah. is a big, big opponent for us. And uh, we got into that coma slide scenario where I was the guy making the hit. Making the hit. I hit my opponent so hard that I knocked him into my teammate, and I gave them both a concussion. Oh, shit, bro. You had a concussion too, by the way. Probably. You did. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, it was it was weird because I just remember <laughs> hitting my, my opponent. When you say I just remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hitting my opponent and then just being like, yo, where'd Nick go? <laughs> and he's like laying in the crease like next to the goal, and then he gets up and he has no clue where he is. Dude. And I that was eye opening. Wow. For me, and I, f- I just felt so bad because like this was the second game of our season. Oh man, how we, long was he out for? Uh, like two weeks. <sighs> dude. Yeah, he came back. He he was an old hockey guy. He was like, dude, I've I've low key had so many concussions. Yeah. I mean, friendly fire it happens. Yeah. He yeah. was like, it's no big deal, man. He he was like, if this is how I feel, I can't even imagine what that other guy got. And I was like, yeah. Dude. That's the way to keep it. Yeah. Yep. Dude. Well, hey, man. Good times. Yeah. It's and good memory. Right? And it's, <laughs> it's weird now because I'm like, I've never, like, in the sparring atmosphere, I, I really try and just look at my angles because I've got so much to learn with the striking. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. I'm not. Just take your time. Right. Exactly. I've seen you strike. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get it. And, uh. You're not but, bad, but I'm just saying, like, your movements, you can tell. Yeah. Like, you're thinking. The, the flow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The gears up here are really turning because I'm just trying to yeah. process. Because there's times it's like, all right, I could have thrown strikes there, but I'm I'm thinking, like, would that have been the right strike? Yeah, there's a lot of thinking going on. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's like. It's easy to see. We're, we're playing the, the time chess. Yeah, you're, well, you're trying to, like, my see, ticker go all what are the they way. doing? What am I going to do? Like, if I do this, is he going to do this? You're trying to find spacing, your angles. There's a lot to think about in splits, you know, split second. You know yeah. what I mean? If you're thinking, that's where it goes wrong, right? Because you're not just doing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> what What excites me is, like, the the idea of of training to the capacity of like that ultimate preparedness yeah like that feeling that's dude it's such a good feeling i can remember it sucks getting in shape but like whenever i'd be deep in camp and i'm ready like i could be in fight shape is what i call it like yeah i can go for fucking ever right and i can just you're just on dude everything's just on yeah yeah <laughs> you are in the matrix bro exactly that's that's a hundred percent how i'd feel on the lacrosse field and yeah, the the only the the biggest difference I'm seeing state. now the flow state yeah. for sure, um, but I don't think that you can truly simplify the sport of fighting to the extent that I could simplify a lacrosse game. Maybe not, and and that's probably going to be the biggest you challenge. Can, you can, you may be able to do it in like with like in like boxing, yes, or like just in like grappling. But even then, I mean. See, I, I feel you like grappling to... you would be one of the hardest. I feel like boxing you definitely can. Yeah, but... well, you can you can think of it in a simplistic way. You know what I mean? There might be more variables than like you like you said you had like two things, right? So right. There, but I mean, you can still break it down to like five or six pretty basic things depending on the position. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if so, as long as you just focus on those handful of things in each position, it's not really a lot because you just compartmentalize everything. So true compartmentalization, dude. That's the key, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, that's what they're doing at Area 51, bro. Yeah. Everything's compartmentalized. Nobody knows shit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm still waiting for uh, some crazy result. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Interesting one. <sighs> well, bro, dude, let's wrap this up. We've been yeah. we've been talking for a little bit. Um, this has been fucking great. Yeah, uh, great conversation. I'm gonna leave the floor to you. I don't know if there's anything you want to plug. Um, but if there is, dude, you're up. You're, I mean, you're happy. I'm happy. You know, you're welcome to plug it, right? Yeah. Uh, Shout out to my s- parents uh, for sure. Yeah. First and foremost, <laughs> for all the opportunities. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Corey Marquardt. Yeah. That's pretty easy. Uh, Instagram, Cosmic underscore Corey. Yeah. C-O-R-E-Y. Cosmic Corey. Yeah, Cosmic Corey. The, my Instagram right now is mostly uh, my festival going and uh, some sushi work. but I can dig it. Yeah, there will be more uh, training content <laughs> in there soon. Um, shout out to Lindenwood's Exercise Science Program. <laughs> and uh, shout out to uh, Coach Jim Lake. For right sure, on, dude. for getting me into this. We'll have to have you back on. We'll talk more uh, exercise science. I don't think we talked much exercise yeah, science today. Dude, a little we got bit. plenty of knowledge. Yeah, oh a little my God, bit. Dude. Yeah. Good times. Well, dude. All right, Corey. Brother. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Till next time. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Um, I know I did. As always, um, leave a rating, leave a review if you did get you know value out of this um, go tell a friend, especially on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating review. It really helps out a lot. And then, you know, this episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Jumbo Superfood. Go over to jumbocbd.com and check them out. They are just some amazing humans. They make some of the best products on the market. They have bombs and they have a ghee and they have uh, sprays. They have all your CBD needs, and they're using all premium, high-quality ingredients. They're the world's healthiest edible company, and uh, you know they take pride in everything that they make. And you don't have to worry about getting any of the junk and the fillers in their products. So go check them out. Use the code OUTSIDE at checkout, and you'll save 20% off of your entire order. What? I'm going to tell you that again. Save 20% when you use the code outside off your entire order. And I do believe right now um, they're still doing the buy two, get one free on their CBD. Um, I could be wrong on that. But double check. Put two in your cart and see if the third one comes up for free. Uh, All right, everybody. I will see you later.